Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Inner Fight Podcast. Thank you to everyone who has made a comment about the new artwork for the show. If you haven't seen it, either your app hasn't updated or we have a problem. And thank you to everyone who listened to last week's show. Don't worry, this week we are a little bit more relaxed, less serious, but I think we should talk about those serious issues from time to time. And if you didn't catch last week's show, then please make sure you go and give it a listen. Global Health Diplomacy with Aditya, he was a super cool guy. This week, we're switching gears again. It's me, my voice, my ideas, my thoughts, and hopefully a couple of things that might help you get a little bit better. That's the objective. That's why we do the show. This week, I am talking all about sleep hygiene. Maybe you're struggling with sleep. Maybe you're struggling to get to sleep. Maybe you're struggling to stay asleep. Maybe you're struggling with quality of your sleep. Well, there could be a whole number of factors. Some of them are actually a lot simpler than others. I'm obviously going to attack the simpler ones, but there are quite a number of really straightforward checkpoints that you can go through. So in this show, I'm going to talk about why we actually need sleep, how we should prepare for sleep, how much sleep maybe we should have, which is a massive debate, and also if we should measure and how we should measure our sleep. This is episode number 794 of the Inner Fight Podcast, Sleep Hygiene. No matter where you are in the world, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. It is me on my own, which is cool because I'm happy being alone. You want to challenge yourself, you want to try and get out of your comfort zone or definitely get out of your comfort zone, record a podcast on your own. It's okay. It's not my first rodeo. I've done a few before. Actually, talking of the subject that we are talking about today, I went through my podcast notes. Yes, I have one note where, this won't surprise a lot of you, where all of the podcasts that I've ever done are shared. I went through it as to when we last spoke about sleep on the show. And it's almost 400 shows ago. Not when we spoke about sleep in a show, but when we dedicated a show to talking about sleep was 400 shows ago. This is episode 794. I'm just thinking what I should do for episode 800, but that's for a different day. I haven't dedicated a show to sleep for 400 shows. I'm a bad person. I'm going to fix that today. I'm talking all about sleep. As you heard from the intro, why we need sleep, how to prepare for sleep, the number of hours of sleep we should have, and if we should measure it, how we should measure it, and really what is going on in that space. Why do we actually need to sleep is a good place. There's two resources that I'm going to quote today. One of them, not much, because Tom Walker doesn't like it, because he says he's researched this guy's book, which is the book Breath don't even remember the author, which is terrible. The book that you want to read, which I think is, if you're talking about sleep, you're struggling with sleep, or you want to optimize sleep, this show is not just if you're struggling with sleep, it's if you want to optimize sleep, which everyone should want to do. And optimize, I mean, it's not a hack, it's not a workaround, it's actually how you should be approaching your sleep to get the best sleep to be optimal. A lot of time, optimization is linked to hacks. The book you want to be looking into is Sleep by Matthew Walker. That's what you need to do. So why, why do we sleep? A lot of people are in the, or of the school of thought. And I think someone that was quite sort of a proponent of not much sleep, well, quite a lot of famous people are, are outspoken or have print media about them where they are talking about not sleeping 
enough and it's almost like a badge of honor and one story in recent times is adriana huffington of the hoff post which she basically had a massive breakdown and now she's a sleep advocate it's like complete she's like for a number of years going in one direction and then she actually loses it and then comes back in another direction there is a need for sleep as humans we need to sleep we've been sleeping as humans since the start of humanity all animals sleep in some way shape or form there are some animals that sleep in the day and they would be referred to more as night acting animals and some animals like human beings are designed to sleep at night this is how it worked from the start. And there are a number of chemical reactions that happen within the body when the sun goes down, which is why we are better night sleepers. And actually, the quality of our sleep that we get in the night is a lot better than the quality of the sleep that we get in the day. But why do we need to sleep? We need to sleep, so in very simple terms, so that our body and our cells can recover and repair, and we can return to what really is a state of homeostasis of everything just in sync. That's the idea. However, because of the way that we treat sleep and because of things that we do before sleep, sometimes during sleep, and sometimes the way that we wake up, we're often now not getting the quality of sleep that we want. So we're not waking up in an optimal or a recovered state and therefore we're unable to perform. This is a big problem. And what we actually are getting to is people that are coming forward with comments like, I'm constantly tired. I never have any energy. I don't feel great. I'm knackered. You've heard it all before. And honestly, if someone comes to a meeting and says, hi, how are you? And they say, oh, I'm absolutely knackered. Just look, okay, cool. Well, we can fix that. Should we fix that first? No, no, I want a brand new training program. Well, that's probably the last thing you need. Therefore, and why do I... It's almost like a segue. Why do I link those two together? Because there is really not much point in turning up and trying to get fitter, faster, and stronger if your sleep is not in order. Many things will not happen correctly in your body. Many simple bodily functions will not occur if your sleep is not in order. So there's an argument here, right? There's an argument, is nutrition the basis of our performance or is sleep the basis of our performance? And some people will go one, some will go the other, some people will just put them all together. They should be, they're the bottom of the pyramid of performance, sleep and nutrition, and then everything else comes ahead of it. I will let you put it in whichever order you want, but nutrition and sleep are definitely two, the two building blocks. You will not build a better body. You will not lose weight. You will not perform better if you're not eating well and sleeping well. And by eating well, I don't mean eating well, well, well. I mean eating in a healthy way. Refer to two shows ago, please. 792, all about eating while I went paleo. Should really link that, but I won't. Just go to it. It's two shows up. 792, all about eating. Now we're all about sleeping. Maybe in two shows time, we'll be all about the training part, but probably not because first off, we need to get the eating and sleeping right. So sleeping is a super important factor. If we don't sleep, we cannot recover. If we do not recover, our bodies do not work properly. If our bodies are not working properly, we will get breakdown. If we do not sleep, we'll, our bodies will not recover. Our immune system will be destroyed. We will get breakdown. We will get sickness and therefore we will not get performance. And this is the way that it's heading. Breakdown can happen in a number of different ways. Our immune system will be weaker. We might get a cough. We might get a cold. Something even worse might be happening, especially as we start to age. And this is where we come across sort of 
uninformed illnesses or illnesses that catches by surprise, be it heart problems, be it lung problems, be it pretty serious stuff like that. So we do really need to take sleep seriously. However, a lot of super successful people, as I mentioned earlier, Adriana Huffington was quite famous for not sleeping a lot. And if you look at someone like Elon Musk and you sit and listen to him, how he wants to work 16 hours a day and how he thinks all of his employees should work 16 hours a day. And to be honest, on that, whilst we're there, if he owns a company and he pays what he paid for Twitter and he wants to put out a job advert that says, I need you to work 16 hours a day for seven days a week and some idiots want to go and do it, I think that's okay. It's not nice that he fired all those people, but it's like, I, this is my house, this is my bus, I'm the bus driver. If you want to hop on, these are the rules. I don't sleep, I'm an idiot, and I'm 50-something now, and I'll probably just have a heart attack one day, but I'm super happy with that because I've achieved what I want to achieve in the world. What I'm saying here is that sleep is sometimes, or lack of sleep is sometimes glorified by people that are successful and people that think they're going to be successful often cut on sleep. And why I sort of slow down a little bit on that one is because people that think that they have to work super, super long hours, super hard, train super long hours, and therefore sacrifice sleep, and that's going to help their performance. It might do in the very short term, but in the long term, we generally see things going super wrong. The body, the mind needs sleep. It needs to rest and recover, hands down. Do you understand the first point? the need for sleep, it is finished. We'll move to the second point. One thing that's interesting, when you compare how we used to sleep, and Matthew Walker does this quite good in his book, he talks a little bit about how things used to work in the past. But what happens when it gets dark, there's a hormone, it's called melatonin. And basically, the darkness and melatonin is telling us that it's time to sleep. So our body starts to shut down wind down, and almost go to sleep. In times gone by, in earlier eras, we didn't have artificial things to keep it awake. We actually didn't even have clocks if you wind back to, obviously, far, far earlier than when I was born. All we knew is that it was dark, and our body was telling us to sleep, and therefore we would sleep. It would stay dark. We didn't know what time it was, And when it stopped being dark, our bodies would tell us because the light would infiltrate our eyes. We'd naturally wake up. Lots of different chemical reactions would happen. We'd know it was the day. We'd feel recovered and we'd crack on. Now it's very different. When it gets dark, we turn the light on. We sleep for a few hours when we're ready after we've massively overstimulated our brain most of the time and often our body because we train too late at night. And then we set an alarm that goes off and it's still dark, it's still the middle of the night, our body doesn't know what it's feeling, that's why it tells us I feel like shit, but we force it to get up and we repeat the cycle over and over and over. The concept of sleeping, why is that important? The concept of sleeping from sundown, we get this right away, (laughs) sundown to sun up is actually, and staying natural in those times would actually lead you to feeling quite a lot different how you feel today. I know this is not possible in all countries and some people will say, well, what happens in the Scandinavian countries in the middle of this and in the middle of that, middle of summer, middle of winter? Yeah, I don't know is the answer (laughs) because I haven't really gone too deep into that. But the point is, is that there's a lot of things going on 
naturally in the body when it gets dark and naturally in the body when it gets light. So if we want to sleep optimally, we need to try and play into those things. So what can we do? And this is really the crux of the show. I want to leave you with a number of things you can do or a number of things to think about that will hopefully help you prepare. And if you prepare, therefore have a better night's sleep. Number one is to control the light that comes into your eyes. If you go with what I was just saying there, the fact that when it gets dark, our bodies naturally start to shut down anyway. If we can control the light that's coming into our eyes, if we can use softer lights, if we can stay away from devices after dark, that will prepare us better for sleeping because we're going into a sleepy state when it gets dark. If we have super bright lights on and devices and a load of other things that I'll come to in a second, we're actually giving the body a mixed signal. So it's, it's, it's saying to us, we want to fall asleep, but we're saying stay awake by these artificial things. So light is a super, super important thing. And I'm going to speak about light a couple of times as we go through this. The second thing is also noise. In most places, when night falls, the, because there was no electricity, everything gets a lot quieter. And at night, you can often hear things or you think you can hear things that you wouldn't hear in the day because there's no hum during the day. So it's important as well to control the noise levels and also potentially the type of noise we have as we prepare, as we prepare for sleep. Then we come to food. The time that we eat our food and the type of food that we eat before we want to try and sleep is essential to how well we will sleep. This might not be new to you or you might just need reminding or it might be new to some people. But if you eat food that stimulates the body or have something like caffeine, I know you might not eat it, but you might eat coffee <laughs> late at night, then the chances of you sleeping are going to be absolutely minimal. A lot of people will say that they have coffee late at night and it doesn't affect their sleep. They sleep absolutely fine. It is affecting you in some way, shape or form. You just don't really know it. Food and drink, what you have and the time that you have it is a super important factor for preparing for sleep. It's not always possible if you go to bed at seven. <laughs> I find it, I genuinely find it quite hard, but as a, as a rule to finish your eating around two hours before you go to bed so that you have completed some digestion is really quite a strong benchmark of preparing in the best way for sleep. If you don't, the flip side of it, if you eat and then try and go to bed 30 minutes later, there's a good chance that you will not be able to sleep very well because your body is again staying awake because it needs to stay awake to digest the food that you've just eaten half an hour earlier. So the time that you eat your meals, if you can eat at least two hours before and you want to be eating food that's not going to stimulate you. You don't want to be eating food that's absolutely loaded. Well, go back, and go back to 792 and you get all the answers on food and stimulants and artificial and processed. But you want to be eating food that is not giving you a load of energy. Things like sweets and chocolate bars that you'd eat if you want energy to go and perform. If you're eating those just before you go to bed, you might have a little bit of a problem. And that's, this is one of the interesting things is that you run through a scenario, if you're late home from work, there's not much around, you eat a packet of biscuits, then you go to bed. Then you can't sleep, then you feel tired, 
and the whole process just repeats itself. It's quite crazy, but it's quite simple. You're eating before you sleep. You're eating foods that are keeping you awake. You're not sleeping. You're not recovering. No wonder you feel like shit the next day. Be super, super careful what you eat and drink in the hours before you go to bed. There are certain things, like loads of people love stuff like chamomile tea. Does it have a massive calming effect? For some people it does. For some people, the process has a massive calming effect because that's their signal to themselves. It's like Pavlov's dog. When you ring the bell, ding, ding, it's going to be food in the bowl. When you start to have the tea, you're starting to wind down. You're taking it easy. You've put the dim lights on. You've put some softer noises on. So you're not listening to something that's super loud or you know, heavy metal. Again, some people might go to sleep to heavy metal, but it's not what I was put, on, was put on to the ghetto blaster before I went to sleep. But you're sort of preparing for sleep, and that, that's, where, that's where they think. They think, I don't know, chamomile, placebo? Probably. Let's move on. Tech. Tech is a real killer, and it's one of the reasons why I think a lot of people are struggling. There's so much overstimulation of the mind in a number of different ways, whether that's from the blue light that's coming from the devices or whether it's, you know, are you scrolling Instagram and someone's unfollowed you or, you know, you've seen something that's a stupid post or you've seen something that has a certain amount of, and this is a problem with social media, full stop, has, you know, this post is passive aggressive or someone said something that's really struck a chord with you and then you're, you're thinking about it. So my advice on tech is to just remove it at least two hours before you go to bed. And there'll be an argument, oh, when I get home, I need WhatsApp, I need to, okay, set up your phone in a certain way that what you actually really need, not what you think you need, like what do you really, really need? You don't really need Instagram. You don't really need Facebook. What do you really need? You probably need your family. So set up your phone in a way that your family can contact you, no one else can, and therefore you're not getting this negative effect of tech and negative effect of content consumption coming in before you go to sleep because it's not preparing you in a good way. It's sending the mind racing, sending your emotions racing. Sometimes it's making you angry. A lot of times it's making people angry and it's not preparing us in the best way for sleep. Our minds are absolutely racing. It also, for a lot of people that take their phone to bed, it actually delays them going to sleep because the addiction of scrolling, especially on stuff like TikTok that just becomes more and more addictive the more you use it because of how the whole algorithm works there, it's actually just keeping you awake and you just cannot put it down. It's, it's, it's almost like a drug. So my, my best advice here, and if you can possibly do it, is just have a tech time cutoff where be it phone, potentially iPad, what you might watch on the television. Be careful of content on the television as well, especially if it's news. All of this type of stuff coming into your mind in hours before, in a couple of hours before you go to bed, we want to try and cut that off. You might say, well, what am I going to do at that time of night? What do I do after I have my dinner? Maybe read a book, maybe chat to your spouse, maybe do some journaling, or maybe just go to bed. Like you might actually be ready to go to bed. A lot of people are wasting a lot of time, you know, sit down and watch like two hours of rubbish TV that doesn't really advance them as human beings and then say that they don't get enough sleep. It's like, well, why are you watching those two hours? Oh, I need it to relax. Okay, but it's rubbish. It's not advancing you. Is there another way that we can relax? 
you know, and you can relax in a number of different ways before you go to sleep. It doesn't have to be two hours of, of nonsense content. So have a, have a little bit of a look at the content that you're consuming so that you prepare yourself in the best way so that you're not fired up when you go to sleep. And a lot of this is actually about creating awareness around what really helps you and what doesn't help you in, in hours before you go to bed. Some people might have a legit, like they would just want to watch some YouTube and that's all good or, or there are programs that don't wind them up, they just put them in a nice state, then that's cool as well. But we need to really understand what's making us relaxed for sleeping and what's maybe not relaxing us for sleeping. Through that, you should or you could develop a sort of sleep preparation ritual and by this, I mean, like something that I follow pretty, pretty religiously is I'll have a cutoff for my phone. In an ideal world, it's when I get through the door, no matter what time that is, because that's kind of the end of the work day. And I don't really need to speak to anyone past that time. Yes, there is a way that my family can contact me if there's an emergency, but that's kind of it. I'll try and talk to Holly. Sometimes she wants to talk to me. Sometimes she doesn't. I'll watch something that's sort of... I try and watch some documentaries sometimes on YouTube, especially if I know that I've got a 30-minute window from... I'll try and finish... I won't finish dinner. Like, dinner-wise, I'm normally about an hour, an hour and a half finished dinner before I go to sleep. So I've got a little bit of time because I need to have a shower and stuff like that. So I'm going through the whole thing, don't worry. So I've got about 30 minutes to watch some, like, mini-documentary on YouTube. I find that quite interesting because I find them quite inspiring. And But sometimes... I definitely go to bed just thinking about how I could do, whether it's a journey or whether it's something that it might spark a thought, to try and take those thoughts out of my head and put them somewhere. I might use a notepad and, um, notepen, notepad and pen or paper, you know what I'm talking about, so that I'll write that down so that thought won't sit in my mind because I want to try and avoid picking up my phone because I've tried to put my phone to bed earlier. As I said, sometimes that works. Sometimes I'll finish dinner and I'll need to pick up my phone for something or I think I'll need to do it. Nine times out of ten, I actually didn't need to do it. All the lights on our house are on dimmers, except this is a problem. And I, I keep on wanting to change this but not making it a priority. The bathroom lights are actually still quite bright. So sometimes I'd sit downstairs for half an hour and just be reading. I read on my Kindle and dim lights and then I go upstairs and the lights will be bright and I'll be like, oh, and I, I'll actually genuinely feel awake again. Where am I at now? So then it's, so dim lights, I never use music before bed. Some people like to, I don't. Doesn't, I've never really used it, I don't think. Thinking back, maybe I used it in boarding school because we weren't allowed to, so I'd sneak a Walkman or a Discman or mini disc because I was a rebel I got one of those sneak one of those in and <laughs> stick that on my head but I'll never really use music then preparing for bed I always and this might sound really quite straightforward to some people other people it might be a little bit alien but even if I've done some sport got home had a shower I will still have another and it's like an hour later I'll still have another shower before I go to bed and that shower will be as cold as possible. I like to have a cold shower before I go to bed, even if it's a bit cold. If it's a bit cold out, I'll start the shower hot and I'll finish the last... This is real detail, I know, but hopefully some of it helps someone. <laughs> I'll finish the last sort of minute of the shower as cold as possible. Sometimes in Dubai and summer, that's not possible. 
I like that for two reasons. One, it just makes me feel super fresh. And two, I'm getting into bed and I'm super, super clean. No matter if I've just had a shower, as I said, an hour, an hour or so earlier, the last thing I do, brush my teeth, all that stuff, and I'll get into bed with having had a cold shower. Preparation of a room is also super, super important to me. So I will always try and make sure that the room is around 18 to 20 degrees. So in summer, that takes a little bit more planning. The air conditioning needs to basically be on during the day. It's not great for the environment anyway. I'm trying to focus on my performance here. I'll have the air conditioner <laughs> set to 18. Might need to be on a few hours before. In winter, it's pretty straightforward. You can just put it on 10 or 15 minutes before it gets nice and cold. One thing that I learned from my wife is that you have to invest in a really, really comfortable mattress and really, really comfortable linen as well. You spend a third of your life in bed, you may as well, like this is the crazy thing, right? People will pay like $100,000 for a car that they use for an hour every day, maximum, or maybe they only drive it a weekend because they're posh as all fuck. And then they will spend nothing They'll be super tight on a decent mattress and on decent linen where they're spending eight hours a night. But they're complaining that they sleep like shit and their body feels like shit the whole time. So Holly taught me, and I agree with her, invest in a decent bed and invest in some decent linen. Temperature, 18 degrees, nice and cold, and nice cold shower. Yes, if you're shivering before you get into bed, you're going to sleep absolutely amazing, I'm sure. One thing that I love as well, and talking to people, reflecting on environments, bedrooms that I've slept in, what we've created at home is what I call a clutter-free room. Our bedroom has literally nothing in it except a bed, a couple of bedsides, and a chest of drawers somewhere. It's got this big mirror that sometimes I fall over as well, but there's no clutter. There, and what that does is it creates this almost neutral energy in the room because nothing's dirty, nothing's cluttered up dirty, nothing's in the way. It's not a stressful environment. It's a very, very relaxed environment. Actually, Holly jokes with me that at night I'm not allowed to talk loud in the bedroom because it's like quiet time. It's winding down time. So if I talk, probably this volume that I'm speaking at, at the moment, I get in trouble for it, which is right as well. So we're trying to create this sort of super nice clutter-free environment. Within that environment, you need to make sure your curtains are all blackout curtains and that there's no, how would I call it? Yeah, cracks in the curtains where light can come in. If you do live in an area that has a lot of street lights, you need to do your homework and make sure your curtains close properly. They're blackout curtains. There's some things available where you can sort of tape your curtains to walls to seal them properly. Alternatively, which I don't love, I have to say, some people do love them. I don't love them at all, but some people will wear a sleep mask, like an airplane eye mask the whole time. I always find that if I wear it, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and it'll annoy me, so it'll be disturbing my sleep. So I've gone for the option of decent curtains. Again, a little bit of an investment sometimes for proper blackout curtains and actually making sure that all of the corners and all of the joints are nicely sealed as well. Keeping with the noise theme, when we're asleep, we want noise to be an absolute minimum. So there's different options for earplugs. 
foam ones, silicone ones. I've got some friends that have tried them absolutely all. Figure out what works good with you if you live in an area that is noisy. Hopefully, over here, we're actually quite fortunate that the hum of the air conditioning creates like this white noise, which is also another option. Some A white noise app. Some people like it. I used to use it when they first came out, I think 2007, 2008, I used a white noise app for, I used to try and nap in the day, which I haven't spoken about a lot in this show. I don't do anymore. I didn't really love doing then. I think I just pursued it as a, just as an experiment. It lasted about six months and I used to use a, a white noise app for it. I always used to wake up feeling not super, not super good at all, to be honest. But the air conditioning Going back to my point, I don't wear earplugs because there's not really a, a whole heap of noise where I am and the air conditioning in my house keeps keeps this white noise going. So I think it drowns out a little bit of the noise. It doesn't drown out when my dickhead neighbors have parties, but that's a whole other, it's not a whole other podcast. There's a whole other bad conversation that I shouldn't be having on here. So there are other things to prepare for. That's That's like they're the things that I take into consideration what I do. Some people definitely need to, like some people will use apps like Headspace or Calm or some calmer music just to really bring them sort of down and calm them down before they go to sleep, which that's all super, super awesome as well. But I think if you, if you tick off a lot of stuff in of what I've been through there, you will prepare yourself for sleep in hopefully a better way. Haven't mentioned it yet, but one golden rule as well that I've been practicing probably for a number of years now, five, six years, is I just stopped having my phone in the bedroom. So when I said earlier that I try and put my phone away when I get into the house or you know, just before dinner or as soon after dinner as possible. So I at least have this window before I go to bed without my phone. It's actually never comes back out again. You do not need to sleep with your phone in your bedroom. I know a lot of people that sleep with their phone next to their bed, still fully connected and still flashing notifications. It's apt and then say that they can't sleep and that they need it there. It's an emergency. I can tell you something. If someone dies in the middle of the night, you cannot do anything about it anyway. And I know that sounds a little bit cold and selfish, but that's just the way it is. So having your phone there is only going to disturb your night's sleep. You're going to find out five hours later anyway. I know there are certain instances where you might feel you're on call or you might want to feel that you're on call in a certain way. And obviously there are certain situations that I don't really want to go into, but on the whole, your phone should not be in your bedroom. Arrange a different alarm clock. One of the funniest alarm clocks, and I don't know how he's done it for so long, Tom Walker uses a Garmin Phoenix 3 as his alarm clock. I've tried to use my watch a few times as an alarm clock, but I, I don't really trust it. I have a very old iPhone that is like an iPhone 9 or an iPhone. It might even be an iPhone 7. I don't connect it to the internet. I found, this is hilarious, by the way. Well, for, for me, it is. I found out the other day that it's actually three or four minutes faster. So it's picked up time based on not being connected to the internet, so not constantly updating itself. On internet, by the way, I don't have a Wi-Fi router in the upstairs of my house because my phone's never up there, so I don't need any signal up there. It's quite funny when people come to stay because they go into the bedroom and they're like, oh, the Wi-Fi doesn't work in here. I'm like, yeah, I know. Not my bedroom, but they're, like the whole upstairs, Wi-Fi doesn't work. And I'm like, yeah, I know. We come up here for sleeping. I literally go to the bedroom for sleeping. And that's why that whole clutter-free 
bedroom environment I think is super important. And I don't think there should be things like televisions and all these noises and distractions and things going on in, in the bedroom. I think it just leads to a lot of bad quality sleep. So that's, I told you, there's a lot that you can do, do to prepare. That's what I kind of follow. It works really good for me. Hopefully some of those ideas might work for you as well. One thing which is from the book Breath is sleeping with your mouth closed as well. I don't know why I put that in here, but I've been trying that for a long time. I still wear retainers from my braces and it's quite challenging. And I find when I tape my lips together that I get really dry lips and then, and then cold sores on my lips as well. So I just still try as much as I can to sleep with my mouth closed. It's in my notes. I'm reading it off. Now, two things remaining. How much should we sleep and how should we measure our sleep? Sleep works in basically, depending on what you believe or, or, or what you read from, from various literature, sleep works in 90-minute in cycles. I just have a simple rule that I work with. I will always be in bed eight hours before I want to get up. And that's not in bed to read my Kindle. By the way, I forgot. When I hop into bed, <laughs> make sure my alarm's set, lights are off, the bulb by the bed is a lower wattage bulb, lights are off straight away, read my Kindle, which is supposed to be all good for my eyes, 10 minutes, and literally I'm out asleep. I'm done. Sometimes it's only five minutes, and sometimes I have to revisit those pages the next day. So that's how I go to sleep. Now, my target is eight hours sleeping. So if I need to be up at 4.30, I need to probably be in bed by quarter past eight. So I've got that 10 or 15 minute window to read for five minutes, remember nothing, and then put my Kindle down before it's half eight. So I get eight hours. So that's how I'll calculate it. I will pretty much try and sleep within about half an hour half an hour window each night so I'll never really go to sleep after 8 30 and because Holly's away at the moment I'll often be in bed by about seven so therefore I'll be able to get more sleep who doesn't like more sleep absolutely love it sometimes it might take a little bit longer to fall asleep so that kindle time might be a little bit longer but I'll always try and keep it on that target so I want to be lights out just over eight hours before I have to get up. That works super well and allows me to wake up feeling good. Is it possible seven nights a week? Yes, if I'm super disciplined. Do I achieve it seven nights a week? Probably 60% of the year. And when I don't achieve it, it'll only be one or two nights off. So, but that's, I think that's also because planning and actually having a routine. So that's how sleep hours and how I target it as to how much sleep we should or I believe that I should be getting and how my body will work optimally. When I am in a state of recovery or when I want to recover more because of high stress, be it just normal work stress, it doesn't always have to be training stress or training stress, I will definitely target and make it happen that I'm actually sleeping a little bit longer. So if I'm in a heavy training block or, or work's really hectic, I'll make sure I'm sleeping for about nine hours and be super disciplined about it because I know that it's such a key aspect of performance. I've left the most controversial and the most bullshit market in the world to last sleep 
measures. I remember I first got a sleep tracker in 2007, 2008. It was one of the first Fitbits that didn't even really attach to your wrist properly. It attached to like this cloth thing that wrapped around your wrist and you put it on it. And I was an idiot as well. I believed that it was tracking my sleep. It was loosely connected to my body at best. And it only knew what data had been put into it and it had been taught general sensitivity, which every single person is very different. Some people sleep on their sides, some people sleep on their back, some people sleep in all different funny positions. But this one device had been designed to measure all of that. And it was only a few years later, as you can probably tell by the way I'm talking about it, that I was like, how on earth can it be accurate for such a vast number of variables in the number of people and the way that they all behave. Marketing's got better, technology, <laughs> infiltration, addiction to figures, to stats. I won't go through all the different sleep trackers, but the way that they get into our lives, the metrics that they give us that somehow, somehow become addictive or attractive have kind of taken over. I am not a big fan of any of them, to be honest. I think most people, when they wake up in the morning, for seven days to 14 days, you can say, how do you feel? And you can create a simple scoring system. I feel really good. I'm ready for today. That would be like a three. You say, I feel okay. Two. You can say, I feel like shit. I don't feel recovered at all. That could be a one. You go one, two, and three. Feel like shit. Feel okay. Feel amazing. Track that two weeks and also track all the other stuff that I said. Have you deloaded from tech early? Have you checked what you eat and drink two hours before going to bed? What are your lights doing? What's the light coming into your bedroom doing? What's the noise doing? How do you wake up? What disturbances do you have in the night? Is your room clutter free? What temperature is your room? Go through all of those and see if you can fine tune one of them to change those results. I know one, two, three is quite subjective, but it's probably a lot more accurate for you than some device which is linked to an app, which is linked to an algorithm, which tells you a percentage score of how recovered you are. It's absolute horseshit for the most part. I haven't seen, and as you can imagine, in the position that I'm in, I get to see a number of different people who are almost like guinea pigs for these kind of wearables and they come and tell me all about it. I've actually used, aside from Fitbit, I've used another wearable and I tested it for six months along with those kind of benchmarks and measuring system that I spoke about there, which you could say, as I said, is super subjective, a little bit archaic. I've not seen any of them improve people's sleep performance. I've just seen it lead to anxiety. People get stressed out. They're angry that, They've slept for nine hours and this thing's telling them that they haven't slept well, they've had poor quality sleep, they're not recovered and it just leads to an absolutely horrendous relationship with sleep and what I'd really call really poor sleep hygiene. So I think you can check off, you could create a journal of the things that actually you do, create awareness around how they make you feel, if they make you sleep better, do you sleep better when it's a full moon, there's different energy. Sleep's a lot based on, on energy, energy of the room, energy of the, 
energy of the galaxy. It's based around all this stuff. Do you sleep better at a different time of month? Do you sleep better at a different time of month if you're a male, if you're a female? Do you sleep better or worse with certain types of food? That's really because these devices, they could be right. They could stack up and they, they could say, you slept like shit. And you said, yeah, I, I feel like shit. But it still doesn't solve the crux of the problem. What we should be doing, what the best thing to do is to actually have some kind of tracking, awareness, journaling around what we're doing on those various checkpoints around tech, around food, around drink, around preparing for sleep, temperature of the room, setup of the room, play with those variables and see what the impact is on the sleep. Maybe wear the sleep measure, sleep tracker, see what that does at the end. So you could do quite an interesting study, couldn't you? You could run them in parallel. Don't look at app for a few weeks or delete the app. Wear the sleep tracker. And then after two weeks, take all of your, your data that you have, all of the awareness that you've created, all of your scores, one, two, three, and see how the whole thing matches up. The most important thing is how do you feel when you wake up in the morning? Do you feel like you want to go out and crush whatever you're going to crush, whether it's your work, whether it's your sport, no matter what it is, and if you do, how have you created that? There we have it. There's probably quite a lot to think about there. And there's a lot of examples of, of how I do things. It's my show. No, but I thought I would share different ideas. Lots of people will have a lot of different ideas, I'm sure. Stuff that works for you. If you do, send them over. Comment on Instagram. Let's have a conversation about it. I'm interested to, to hear. I might have said some things that are don't work for you that you've tried and that don't work for you and I might have said some things that you haven't tried hopefully everyone gets something from it and I really hope you are paying attention to your sleep because it is the key to your performance thanks a lot for listening I will catch you next time